0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is North, 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 South. North South. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here broadcasting another North and South episode that we took last week off. The Dodgers did not take last week off. Uh, we have here my co-host from the Los Angeles Times, Dylan Hernandez. We will get to all the various Dodger, unbelievable, luxurious, glamorous signings and press conferences and Dylan Hernandez moments. But uh, it's been hinted to me that for a show called North and South, we've been tilted heavily, heavily to the South into the start of these episodes. That makes sense. It's th- Dylan's powerful personality. It just kind of takes over. Uh, there's a little piddly little Dodgers team that does stuff, but it's not that it's Dylan. You're, you're, you are too much. You're too influential. You're an influencer. Uh, but we're going to start, I think with the North side this time, there's still stuff going on in the Bay area. Dylan, well, what, what is on your mind that you want to grill me about with your uh, Northern California teams?
1: Well, so listening to you talk about, you know, Brock Purdy, and I was thinking, hey, man, these guys are going to go to the Super Bowl. Tim believes in this guy. Uh, and then that happened uh, against Baltimore. Um, now, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, re- I, re- I read your column in The Athletic. It seemed like you're kind of encouraged or optimistic, I think, given right, the guy's character and stuff. And, you know, uh, that said, w- what happened there? I mean, they just got, they just got destroyed
0: they got smoked they got smoked and purdy was like the main reason they got smoked i mean you can certainly explain And shanahan did the first interception was bad he just misread it you know he was looking in the end zone they would have scored any other way their first and i think it was first and goal at 10 uh, and he just tries to force it in kyle hamilton knew what he was going to do and picked him off that was bad then it just kind of kind of collapsed from there where a tip here a tip there um you know that doesn't mean it's not Purdy's fault he certainly was his fault for putting the ball in those dangerous areas but it just kind of all you know what they you know just everything added up in kind of this larger picture thing uh that he had voided almost for the entirety of his NFL career to that point I think there's a lot of you know a lot of factors that came in I did not expect this clearly I don't think the 49ers expected this but at some point, Purdy was going to run into a defense that was just lined up perfectly to beat him. Uh, and and that doesn't mean it's just the scheme. Like, doesn't mean like, you know, the Washington commanders can just say, hey, we're going to just copy what the Ravens did, and that's it. And maybe even the, the dominant, all powerful Rams can do this. Although maybe they can, but it's the personnel. It was nobody's got the Ravens combination of those two linebackers and that safety, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, 49ers have those linebackers, but like nobody else, like the Rams don't invest in linebackers. The Eagles don't invest in linebackers. The Cowboys don't invest in off ball linebackers. Michael Parsons is essentially just, you know, he's an edge rusher. He's incredible, but he's not dropping down and taking away the slant pattern. Uh, with the Ravens playing exceptionally well, 49ers, you know, maybe, you know, a little off. They certainly weren't like, you know, at their highest revved up engine power, but that happens sometimes. And it just kind of cascaded into everything added up, you know, to all one thing, you know, and it was all bad. Uh, you know, you can just say the greater point is, is Purdy the guy when all things are gone and you just say, go get him, throw the ball 30 times in the in the second half and win the game. That That's not who he is. And, and I don't think I've ever said he was. And I don't think the 49ers have ever really said he, what he is, he's a guy who, who plays the right angles, plays the right margins, and is going to play well, um, when you have the, you know, leverage on a team, and he's going to get you that leverage on the team. But when when pass rush is teeing off on him and the offensive line isn't playing great, you know, again, the offensive 49 offensive line suffered some injuries. I think that might be the larger issue here is, you know, if, if Trent Williams isn't 100%, if they lose another, you know, if they, they're down a guard, like that could be problematic because – this thing really depends on the offensive line, getting run lanes for Christian McCaffrey and and blocking well for Purdy and then having the threat of the run to make sure that Purdy has time to throw. I just think it's, yeah, all these things kind of added up. It's like all the things added up in their benefit against the Eagles, against the Cowboys. Like we've seen these, this happen in their favor. The flood happened against them for the first time this season. Brown's a little bit, but the Browns wasn't like this. Um, And uh, the uh, you know, people. Were at, Kerr was asking me yesterday, like, "What was the mood of that locker room? What was it like after?" It was like it was really matter of fact. You know, again, maybe they're looking, whistling past the graveyard. I don't think so. They're like, "Yeah, you know what? This happens." Brock's played incredible for his entire career. This was not an incredible game. They weren't saying like it's due to happen, but they're like, "Yeah, you know what? It's been incredible what he's been doing. This was a, this was a bad one, and he's going to bounce back from it." There really wasn't even like a. Like, you know, sometimes you can tell when players are, like, grasping for stuff, right? Like, they're hoping it's true. Maybe sometimes with Garoppolo, it was kind of like that. And then, again, I always end up comparing Purdy favorably to Garoppolo. And I praise Garoppolo a lot, but he certainly had some weaknesses. But he had strengths, too. And I think Purdy's got those. The toughness, I think the way he handled himself afterwards uh, was real solid. Uh, wasn't the Matt Jones, you know, kind of finger pointing in a subtle or not so subtle way. It wasn't, we've seen it from other quarterbacks. Uh, and we'll see. Uh, I just think it was th- all these things combining at one time, all at once on national TV, but it doesn't mean that one game means more than any others, unless they f- play the Ravens in the Super Bowl, And then, you know, we'll, we'll have to figure that one out because the Ravens seem to have a formula with some really good players. Um, I think it's like, again, way worse than I would have thought. Certainly a loss was always on the table against a team as good as the Ravens. But um, I just think it's understandable, at least in that locker room, and they're not wavering on Purdy. Now he has another bad game on Sunday in Washington. Is another bad game against the Rams. It's a whole different equation. But I just don't see that happening. It just kind of all caved in at once. Now, Okay, can you say Purdy maybe isn't the guy? Like what? Mahomes is a guy, theoretically, not not this season. If it all caves in, just go throw the ball all over the place and and win this game. And who else would – Josh Allen. I don't know that Justin Herbert is. He's got the talent too, but I don't know that. He certainly hasn't done it a lot. He's come back and come close and then lost. So how many of those, those guys are there in this league? Not that many. Maybe three, maybe four. Maybe it's you know, Trevor Lawrence was like someone that people thought would be like that. I don't think he is. So is Purdy not one of the top two quarterbacks in the league? I think yes. I mean, I don't know that's ever been claimed. He was having the best season. He's By the way, he's still got the number one passer rating in NFL, and it's not by a little bit. Good quarterbacks have bad games. Four, four interception games should never happen again, but this happens. That's how well he had been playing. But I don't think there's a question mark about how good the 49ers are it's a question like, okay, they need to get ahead. That's the secret. Don't let them get ahead. Well, all those other stupid teams went into the game and said, hey, let's let the 49ers get ahead. That's a great That's a great strategy. No, like they're trying to not let the 49ers get ahead. The Ravens were just good enough not to let it happen. Um, they don't have Mahomes. They don't have Josh mm-hmm. Allen. That's two guys in the whole league. Maybe Stafford, but I don't know if I would put Stafford in that category just about yet. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a sign of some. Fragility, but fragility in a very specific conditions. And the Ravens might be the only team in the league that can put them against the wall like that because we've seen them against the other really good teams and they haven't had a problem with them.
1: Now, given the kind of the mood that you described in the locker room, I take it that whatever injuries that happened on the line, and again, I haven't been following at that level of detail, Mm -hmm. I assume it's nothing catastrophic there. You know, Trent Williams is
0: supposed to play, you know, Aaron Banks, the guard, you know, might be out for some time, but you know, he's. Somebody who probably should be back at some point, but he's not super as essential as Trent Williams. Yeah, nothing terrible. Nothing terrible.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I know it's like so basic, right, that we sometimes even kind of overlook these things. But, you know, the Rams all of a sudden, right, they've started blocking for Matthew Stafford. He hasn't been getting sacked at all in the last, you know, five, six games or whatever. And what do you know, right? All of a sudden now, like he's. Yeah. And they got you know, a running a back. And now, they got a like real. At all, right? yeah. Now all of a sudden there's like a running game. And they actually look like a real football team. So, you know, I kind of do, right? Especially if you play a team like Baltimore, you're short on the line. There are going to be some issues there. So, yeah, like I mean, said, it's, it's,
0: yeah, I think it's like maybe it was a question whether Brock Birdie maybe is a guy who could be the John Elway, right? And just like, I'm going to pull this out no matter what. And I think in some games he might be able to, hasn't done it this in his career. I understand those numbers, but. Yeah, he's not that guy. Like, I'm just going to drive it through the defense. I don't care what they're doing. I want to throw it to Debo right here, and it's just going to – that he might not be. Uh, but, again, there's, like, two of them in the league. And w- with Garoppolo, you're going up – again, no matter what, you're going to f- get to a better quarterback down the road. If the 49ers don't play Mahomes or, or – Lamar, okay, I should put Lamar in there. It's a different thing with Lamar. I don't know that Lamar can just say, I'm going to beat you with my arm, period. But he can beat you with his arm plus his legs. Uh, so Purdy needs to get to that level maybe a little bit more like I can move around and then I'm gonna scramble the defense and make a play. He's 24 years old. he just turned 24. Uh, there's time for this. He's still developing as a quarterback. The Fortnite's have some other issues where they're not doing great defensively. there's still some issues, but I don't think anything in that game was like, oh my God, they cannot beat the Eagles now. oh my God right it's Like we just saw them beat the Eagles or oh my God, they gotta play the Cowboys. That's gonna be devastating for them. That, that's what they're holding on to. I think it's real. Win their next two games. They get the number one seed. They get the bye. They can rest some people. I think that would be huge for them. Now, they don't. They lose one of these next two. Different equation entirely because then they'll have to play on that, that first week. And then who knows where they'll be physically for the next game or the next game. Um, so that that points us to that Rams game, which now becomes very interesting. The Rams are playing very well. I'm sure there are teams that do not want to face them in the playoffs. Absolutely, the Detroit Lions. You think the Lions want to face the the, the Rams yeah. right now? Be fun, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that is an interesting game. Now, what, the, what I, if you looked at it closely? Do the Rams possibly not even need that game at the end? Like, if they win their next one, are they kind of locked in at six or seven?
1: I think. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Seattle has to lose. I think it's, that's, okay. that's the game that uh, that's tied into it. So, yeah. I mean, there that is. A possibility, but you're right. Like they're, you know, playing great right now. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not sure anybody saw this. I'm not sure McVeigh saw this. You know, I remember (laughs) at the beginning of training camp, I was giving McVeigh a hard time about the over under being six and a half for wins in the season. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I asked him something like, "Are you surprised it's that high?" Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) he didn't really push back. You know, I Mm -hmm. think uh, they did it. They obviously didn't start well you know um but again like all of a sudden they're starting to block well you know they're the defense you know what's interesting too to me is just kind of what they've done defensively because you know i know obviously they still have aaron donald back there and you know ernest jones has been really really good for them but you look kind of around it's a really young team back there you know and uh i'm not sure anybody expected them to be kind of this good and it's you know even on the offensive side too they've had rookies just kind of pop out of nowhere and um, it's really kind of the anti-Brandon Staley team, frankly, you know, Mm -hmm. where, you know, with the Chargers, right, there were missed tackles, guys being in the wrong place, whatever. Um, This just feels like a really, really well-coached team. You know, I don't think, um, you know, I think the ceiling is somewhat limited in that I can't, you know, there are probably certain games I just can't see them like winning. Um, But, they're not going to like blow the game, right? Chargers, a lot of times, you right, they're in a close game and you're just kind of waiting. Okay, when is this, when, when is this thing going to turn, right? When are they going to mess this thing up? You don't get that thing with the Rams, you know? And I think that, uh, right, again, you know, you, one good thing about having a young team, there's a lot of enthusiasm there. It kind of, momentum kind of starts to build. I think, you know, Stafford probably came into the season with some question marks in terms of like, Man, there's so many young guys around me. You know, there are obviously reports that they were trying to deal him over the off season. Um, You know, and all of a sudden, you know, you could see he's starting to feel good about this thing. And, you know, McVay, again, I, I've been very impressed with him just in terms it's of it's a great just, year. it's uh, a great
0: coaching year for McVay. It really yeah. Is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for a guy who, again, um, you know, right, got his first job at, th- you know, head coaching job at 30 and was kind of like proclaimed this like genius. Uh, he's extremely self-aware i think you know which has kind of allowed him to kind of evolve as a person and as a coach you know i think i mean to kind of take like another comparison you have andrew friedman with the dodgers who very similarly right became a gm very young you know everybody was calling him a genius and i kind of feel like he's been stuck a little bit in a way right he's he can't he always kind of feels he has to kind of like live up to that and he he even has trouble verbalizing even that concept whereas i feel mcveigh well, open, you know, you go talk to him. He'll be very, very open about all this stuff, you know, where, uh, you know, I, I, there is a part of me that wonders if there's a little bit of Oscar De La Hoya in there, you know, kind of the uh, selective honesty thing where, you know, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you up to nine. Pretty good. I'm gonna Pretty keep good. The, I'll keep the 10 <laughs> to myself, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, again, I just. I think it's you know, a little, so but it's a little. I can't argue with it.
0: It's a little bit of playing the angles too, which I don't. You know, I don't criticize like he's like trying to play this storyline to get this out of as a team. We're going to play this in order to leverage Amazon, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Good coaches do this. Shanahan doesn't really do it. It's a different personalities. But just like, like you know, sh- them, the 49ers getting to the NFC championship game the last two years with less than great talent and a really good talent. A lot of places, but they didn't have McCaffrey two years ago. They had Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. You know, they had something they were trying to figure out and replace DeForest Buckner after trading him. Um, like, those that that's what convinced me that Shanahan was a really good coach. Now, McVay won a Super Bowl, whole different thing. I don't think he, he's got a lot of bona fides that he's got to prove. But I think this season really proved to me like he can do this for 15 years and he's going to have some ups and some downs, but it's never going to be that down. And then there's always a chance for the next year it's going to be right back up. And I think Shanahan's the same thing. Like, they, they're going to scare teams, like almost whoever they've got. And then, when they've got great talent, Shannon and McVeigh are going to challenge for the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think the Rams are going to beat the 49ers if, you know, if that game really means something. Um, not this year, but they're, if they get more stuff, you know, some linebackers, I really do think linebackers is the key to beating 49ers. And, and that's the um, thing
1: here, right? Is that they have a lot of dead money coming off the books. I mean, this was kind of their, hey, we got to pay off that Super Bowl season. And I think they yep. kind of came into this year, you know, Uh, Kevin Demoff, the president, even sent out a letter to basically the season ticket holders explaining, you know, in not so many words like, hey, we might not be very good this year. Right. Is, you know, and, and, you know, he talked about, hey, in the past, we've gone out and just gotten all these guys. Now we got to do it kind of through. Right. We're going to have to build a team up from, you know, the draft, basically. Uh, But all this dead money is going to be coming off the books. And, you know, kind of the one thing, too, is the um, maybe this kind of dovetails into our Yamamoto Dodgers Giants thing. But, you know, the the Rams for, you know, during that first kind of sh- run that they had that ended it, with that Super Bowl, they were really good at convincing guys to take like below market deals to come play here, right? Um, people wanted to come here, you know, uh, I think, you know, and I think McVeigh was a big part of that, right? There's kind of a certain energy when he's feeling good. There's a certain energy, like in the building that you kind of feel. And I feel like it really kind of permeates the, the you know, the locker room and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, again, once kind of all this dead money has gone, you know, I, I, you know, kind of earlier, I was kind of thinking, OK, it's going to take a while for them to kind of rebuild this whole thing. Right. And probably the Niners were going to dominate for a while. I think next year is going to be like really, really interesting, especially given the you know the history between those two. Well, coaches. well the
0: staffers staying healthy this season, I think, is like that's that's almost like by the number one thing. If you go into season not sure that he's healthy, which I didn't know that he was healthy. I don't know that everybody thought he was going to play seventeen games. I don't think anybody thought he was going to play seventeen games and be good and flourish. Uh, that changed. Like, what would they do if the NF staff were playing well? Like, that would be very, very bad for them. Uh, they'd have to figure out what to do a quarterback, and they don't. And you know, that's what the 49ers have with Purdy. Again, they you can say they think they have, or they have whatever your view on Purdy is. I think they got it. Uh, and what that can do for their caps, you know, situation down the road. They really have a a nice issue, nice situation with that, given that he's making the minimum, all those things. Um, And they've got McCaffrey and they've got Bosa and they've got Debo and they've got, I mean, they've just got all these other things. I think the story for them remains the same. They got the quarterback that they think that that was, that's what really came through. Maybe I'm meandering into this is that Nick Bosa is he's like, the moral conscious well, maybe morals, a bad word, but like, he's the, the foundation of what they really think. Like he doesn't care. He doesn't, if he says something that pisses off Kyle, who cares, right? is Nick it Bosa? Uh, and he doesn't do PR so much. And he, you know, he's got a critical eye of things and he's the one's like, this is our guy. I don't worry about, it. he stopped to talk to Brock Purdy, uh, in the locker room. I didn't really write about that, but someone else did. Um, like this is They believe that's their guy. And if Nick Bosa believes that that's their guy, it's a defensive player. Sometimes the defensive players are not the kindest to the quarterbacks as, as, when things go bad, as we know. Uh, they think this is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. They said somewhat similar things about Jimmy Garoppolo, but not like this. Uh, Garoppolo didn't put up these numbers. So that's what I push back a little bit with Purdy. It's like, if you say this proves that he's not that good, then what the hell was the Eagles game? Then what the hell was the Cowboys game? And what the hell were all these other games? They all count the same, right, in the standings. Just because you watched it on national TV does not mean it's three times the other ones or just because it's the last thing you saw. Okay, let's see what the numbers, how it all falls out. But, but Mahomes had a terrible game, right? Terrible game against the Raiders. Not his fault. Maybe some of the picks were. But, like, Josh Allen has had terrible games. You can't find the perfect quarterback. does not exist. Tom Brady in 2007 only happened one time. Uh, Joe Montana in, you know, 80, 88 or 89 only happened one time. Like these quarterbacks are under such a microscope that we can't just say that one game is everything or else then what the hell are you talking about every other week? Because those weeks got to count too. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think the Rams game is going to be – are you going to come up for that one, Dylan? I'm going to see you up here for – Yeah, that one
1: might Rams. be Plasky.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. I might, <laughs> I might have to like – be getting matched out, out of that
1: by the big guy.
0: I'm going to just record a North and South of Plaschke then. What the hell? I'm, I, I'm going to have to pretend he's you, you in, in the guise of Dylan Hernandez. Here's, here's Bill Plaschke. Uh, but it's great. Now, listen, when you're a primetime team, when you're a team that's everyone's watching, you're going to get criticized and you're going to get praised in, in exaggerated ways, and you want that. I always felt that about the Lakers. Like some Laker people would complain about it. And I said, this is what you want, right? You want to be thought to be good. You want to be held up to the highest standards. You want to be on these stages. And so if you crap out on one of them. You're going to hear about it. And I don't think the foreign owners are that upset about whatever, you know, they don't like the digging on Purdy from talk show hosts. That's what they don't like. Debo's raised that. And some others like they, they I think they want to say is, do you know how far we got with Jimmy Garoppolo? And this guy's they want to say that they're not going to say it, but, That's the kind of implied feeling in there with, you know, me being mean to Jimmy Garoppolo, which I guess I tend to be these days. But you just compare the two quarterbacks. It's not even close. And you compare Purdy to every other quarterback in the league except for Josh Allen. You know, there's others, but a lot of them are hurt. So he's right there. And I I just think that that was one of those blips of a perfect storm of a weird thing. And it it shouldn't be a problem on Sunday against the commanders, let's put it that way. Uh, But we'll see. It's, you know, it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting to look at. I'm sure, you know, what, 27 million people in America watched it on TV. So it's going to be a topic of conversation. Again, having covered the Lakers, and was just talking about this with someone else, just kind of the way. Um, the nation or smaller city teams look at the big teams. It's just so exaggerated. Lakers would come to town and there'd be all these stories about the Hollywood Lakers, the arrogant, the, you know, like, they're just the same guys. They're just good, but they're the same guys that are in the locker room of the Spurs or you know the Grizzlies or whoever. It's just this exaggerated view. But guess what? You want to be the team that people look like that. You want to be the team that shows up and people go, oh, wow, okay, here's a chance to prove that we're good too. You know, uh, Warriors have, have had that. Um, UCLA basketball, when I covered them, was that. De La Hoya, when he showed them that. I like those situations because those are the ones that have the most interest and those are the ones that have the most significance. So, uh, okay, Dylan, let's get to it. Our our bread and butter, our standard operating procedure, let's talk about the Dodgers signing yet another super high-priced, super talented Japanese player, this time pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, looks like he's just, you know, super talented, super confident, good. Uh, You know, another line of of really talented Japanese players, maybe the most talented Japanese pitcher, certainly the youngest one to come over uh, with this kind of talent. Dylan, what does this do for the Dodgers? What was the mood of that press conference yesterday?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was still kind of, right, the guy who wasn't there was kind of the, you could still kind of feel his presence, and that was Otani. You know, in um, Yamamoto's opening remarks, he made some reference to, you know, I have to, stop admiring you know and that was kind of a reference to a speech otani gave the japanese team before the wbc final against the united states when he said you know hey just for today you know let's stop admiring these guys and let's try to win the game you know and so and actually if you looked at all of yamamoto's talking points he was kind of just parroting everything otani said two weeks earlier um you know so i think it's kind of understood this is otani's team now and um, you know, I was a little bit surprised, I guess, in that, like, um, you know, and I had heard that Yamamoto had like this very strong affinity for the Dodgers from before. You know, that said, a lot of times, again, because of the whole seniority, you know, hierarchy system that they have in Japan that kind of dictates like every interpersonal relationship. You know, I wasn't sure if Yamamoto would necessarily want to come here to kind of be play second fiddle to like Otani. Um, but clearly, like Otani made him feel comfortable enough to make him think this was a good idea. You know, um, what is kind of interesting here, though, is that like the Dodgers have been very, very kind of conservative in the way they've spent money in recent years. Right. They every big deal they make, it's clearly like a team friendly deal, even the big ones that they did. You know, Mookie Betts, ton deferred. Freddie Freeman, market collapsed. Uh, Trevor Bauer took three years to get a higher AV. And with Yamamoto, man, it's three hundred twenty five million dollars for a five foot ten pitcher. Um, My suspicion is that they're going to go to a six man rotation uh, because, you know, having a guy go from pitching once every week to once every five days, a 95 mile an hour fastball in Japan turns into 92 to 94 here. And it's hard to pitch right now, I think, in baseball without without the fastball. So my guess is that they're going to go to six to kind of mitigate, you know, um, some of the changes that he's, you know, he's going to have to deal with. Um, you know, but again, like Otani made this possible, I think, in that, A, he deferred as much money that he did, gives the Dodgers cash flow. Um, you know, this guy's getting a $50 million bonus up front, which obviously is, really helps when you're paying Otani $2 million this year. Uh, in addition to that, and maybe what's even bigger is the fact that, um, you know, $680 million of the Otani $700 million is getting deferred without any interest. And so a company like, you know, Guggenheim, which owns the Dodgers, right, it's an investment firm. Uh, they can now take that money, invest it, and whatever profit they make off that, right, they put it in stocks or whatever, real whatever, right, in, in their portfolio, uh, they can, like, double that money, triple that money, right? And whatever profit they make off that, they're keeping, you know? So I know from the outside, it might look like, oh, my God, the Dodgers just spent a billion dollars, but the reality is is that Otani is kind of making this happen, and he's singularly positioned, obviously, you know, to do this as a guy who's making you know, 40, 50, maybe even more million dollars off the field, right, an endorsement. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, uh, the, that, the one thing that was kind of interesting, and I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday, was that Joe Wolf, um, Yamamoto's agent, kind of talked about how, um, you know, much Yamamoto liked the city of San Francisco, how he thought it was mm-hmm. beautiful, um, how he thought it reminded
0: him of Osaka. I've heard that before, well, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah.
1: Anyone who thinks that might have to get their eyes checked.
0: Well, it's not, it's not Tokyo, that's for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> right. but, be Tokyo. But
1: what is interesting, though, was just kind of the flood of just like, I don't know, it turned into like an LA, San Francisco thing. Like <laughs> of, course like, of course it did. Of
0: course it did. This podcast is all about, Billy. Come on now. Yeah.
1: About which city was better, why. I mean, it, it actually became more about which city's worse, right?
0: Yeah, well, of course.
1: Of course. Um, But you know what I find really weird is when I lived up there, I thought people who were from the city were very proud of being from the city, right? And even like kind of the not so glamorous aspects of it were kind of embraced in a way. Um, Has that changed? Because like, I'm feeling a bit of like a complex that people now have up there. Like, is this...
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly... Did did, did
1: Murdoch win?
0: It's... it's, (laughs) There's certainly the PR campaign against San Francisco has hit and cut deep. And there are things, in. I live in San Francisco, I'm sitting in San Francisco right now. Um, There are things that are lesser, you know, the downtown has lost a lot of people, of workers. It just has. And that's affected the Giants directly because they used to come off of work and go to Giants games. And, you know, that number is way down restaurants have closed and it's there should be a revival or semi-revival the ai you know headquarters are all in san francisco and they're hoping for that and that maybe that could be something that brings downtown back but uh, i think there's been enough yeah fox news enough all these other things and real life stuff it's like you can't say it's completely wrong that San Franciscans are just people who identify with San Francisco, and that's you know that's a lot of people who live outside of San Francisco too. So I'm sure you're hearing from them um, are sensitive to because they understand that there's some stuff to it. The fact that Buster Posey mentioned it to, to Baggerly, which I had no problem with because that perception is something. You know, Posey's somebody who grew up in the South, comes plays with the Giants, never leaves the Giants, retires, goes back home to atlanta suburbs and then guess what comes back to san francisco and says i want to be part of this so that's a strong story that, that's a uh you know that that's something that people in san francisco want it should want to hear not not anything other than that uh but yeah i think you know it's it's this kind of float thing floating in the atmosphere and then when free agents don't sign with the giants that is like the live wire It's like, okay, that means that this is a thing that the sports fan has to deal with. And the sports fan has these weird little emotional outbursts anyway over everything. Over this, you throw politics into it. You throw, you know, whatever you feel about, you know, homelessness or the drug problem or whatever else, it all kind of codifies into the San Francisco discussion. So, but, you know, I think Baggerly did a great job saying, you know, there's problems in LA. I mean, Skid Row we both know, is a major problem. There are other issues throughout LA, which is just bigger and broader and and has so many different pockets to it. Uh, In San Francisco, it's just such a centrally located situation with the homeless problem, with the drug dealing. It's really like in in a four block, six block area that happens to be what people go through when they're going to the tourist places. It's what the players are staying in a hotel in Union Square. They got to drive through it to get to to the ballpark. Um, All that is unchangeable, you know, and it's significant. But you bring it up, and they're going to say some things, and, you know, Jung-Hoo Lee signs with the Giants, though, right? So finishing second, I'll just put it practically, finishing second to the Dodgers for a billion dollars in signings, but a billion plus for Otani and Yamamoto doesn't mean signify the end of everything. It just doesn't. I understand the conversation, but – they didn't like, like they're, they might get other people too. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, they're, but they're very, sensitive. the Giants themselves are incredibly sensitive with this. But it is interesting. That quote was interesting. He did not sign with the Giants. I understand the discussion, but yeah, I, I love it when you wander into that one because uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's well, going to, it's going to raise cackles it for sure. Will
1: Here's the thing is like, I don't know, like, look, the Dodgers, whatever it is, right. They've been in the playoffs 11 straight years, 10 time division champions in that span. I mean, if you're the Giants, don't you just need to just like blow the other teams out of the water? You know, like, and I know they've been competitive in these things financially, yeah. right? They're they're making comparable offers. I just think that when you're like the, you know, third or fourth best team on the field, you got to do something, right? You got to, you got to yeah. like really overpay. Well, I,
0: th- I think they did for Jung hugly Now, again, that's, you know, right. not, not the thing that's going to change the dynamics of a team. I think they would have for Otani if they thought it would have made a difference. I don't think it would have made it. I mean, he came up with a number, right? He basically right. said, "Here's the offer. Here's the deal. Yes. Do you want it?" Yes. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. Good to know. I'll get back to you, and then I'm going to yeah. sign with Dodgers. I, I I think they would. have, I don't think they were going to do that for as you said, 25 year old right handed pitcher who's never thrown in the majors, and right. you know who who knows. I don't think they would have done that for. I just don't think they were going to go. Okay, that's the offer. Here's a hundred more, and I kind of agree with that. I, I, you know, not for PR sake or whatever. I I kind of agree. Like. That wasn't the guy to do it for. Bryce Harper. Yeah, I, I, that was, I, yeah, that yeah. I agree with. Yeah, and, and that Bryce was actually Harper, I
1: was going to go back to Harper. Yeah, yeah.
0: Bryce Harper mm-hmm. you know, would have been the guy to do it for. Judge, I think they would have done it for Judge. I think they did do it for Judge, frankly. I think they had the highest offer, the real offer on the table, and he didn't wasn't going to sign with them. He was going to go back. To, he just wanted the Yankees to get at that number. If it was a real auction, I think they might have come higher than everybody to get Judge. I think it's a spot play, but they just happened to not be getting these guys they did it for korea and then that thing blew up and i think you know they're not regretting that one too deeply um it just hasn't been the right moment for these guys you know you get the accumulation of them then you end up where they are and you're desperate for a star and we'll see how it goes but it, it is playing into that there's a lot of angst there's a lot you know frustration we hear it every day farhan is kind of dealing with this. he's in a weird spot because he doesn't want to be paying for these free agents that's not his thinking at all his team is to build it another way i want to get back to one thing you said that really struck me you said that now is probably they're probably going to go to a six-man rotation we don't know that but makes sense to me but is that worth that's what 180 innings maybe 175 innings for for this contract and then what's he what are they going to do in the playoffs, still and he, that means he's going to pitch game one and game five and that's it uh, yeah. Isn't there some practical weirdness to, do, to, to, there, to deal there with? There is.
1: Now, I would. Here's the thing, though, right? Is that they, it's not just him. It's, they got Tyler Glass now, who is like never healthy, right? Yeah. Uh, they got Walker Bueller coming back from Tommy John. Uh, Otani will be rejoining the rotation in theory next year. Um, I just think that if there is a circumstance, like, look, I don't like this, <laughs> this six man thing. I'm kind of more of a, you know, Hey, give, you know, I mean, I, right, the last like 15 years here, we've been watching Clayton Kershaw, hand him the ball, you know, hey, go throw your seven, eight innings and, you know, <laughs> we, you don't really worry about anything else. Um, but I do think that this is kind of where you would have to kind of do that. You know, I've talked to executives from other teams who've said, you know, and it's funny because Yamamoto's market has like really exploded in the last like year, right? I, I just think the it wasn't so much like what he did as much as I think that's the, the finances and the right with all the gambling money coming in and hmm. stuff. At least like certain teams are more comfortable. And again, Otani's just printing money for the Dodgers. But even, you know, I think last year, people are viewing him as $125, $150 million pitcher. I remember talking to executives from different teams who were saying, yeah, you know what, if we get him, you know, because obviously he's only five foot ten, right? And if we get him, um, you know, we would go to a six-man rotation because you might as well, if you're going to invest that much money, you might as well get the guy that you paid for, you know? And again, I I go back to Kenta Maeda, who, you know, has been kind of a so-so major leaguer, you know, above average, um, right? I think one year in the pandemic shortened season, finished second in Cy Young voting, but people forget how good Kenta Maeda was in Japan, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And Kenta Maeda used to be 95, 96, right? And like, again, that's once a week with like a different baseball that's easier to grip, um, you know, I think that these teams feel more comfortable investing in Japanese players because now all the, you know, they all have the, uh, what is it, the, the Hawkeye system and they have mm. TrackMan equipped in every uh, ballpark so, you know, they can see all the data and the spin rates and all that type of stuff. And so they're pretty comfortable that like, hey, this is probably going to hold up. But again, they're, I think they're kind of getting lost in this data sometimes and kind of forgetting like, well, there's like this one like very obvious thing that everybody has complained about that has come over. Right, even guys as big as right, there've been some really big, physically big Japanese guys coming over here. Ohtani's a big guy. Darvish is a good big guy. Uh, Kuroda was a pretty big guy. Tanaka was a pretty big guy, and they all talk about kind of adjusting to kind of pitching every five days. So, you know, again, yeah, And is it is that worth three hundred twenty-five million? I don't. Th- I mean, to me, that's an ace, right? That's that's Garrett Cole money. That's yep. and, and you don't go to a f- six-man rotation if you have Garrett Cole, but. You know, again, I don't think this 325 is a real 325 either in the sense that this is like Otani generated yeah. revenue. Yeah. This is, they're playing with house money, right? They would never be this reckless, I don't think, if it was actually their own money, right? Otani has basically just loaned them $680 million at no interest. Please do whatever you want with it. Uh, and they're like, hey, we, you know what? We know how to, I mean, this is what we do, right? We, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the Bobby Bonilla contract, right? where the Mets, part of the reason they were so comfortable deferring money into forever was they were taking that money every year and giving it to Bernie Madoff, you know, <laughs> and Bernie Madoff
0: would give him an annual that 20% well. return, Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, then it worked until it didn't work, right? Yeah, so, well, it, worked, it did work,
0: I, yeah, until Madoff goes to jail, yeah, and then they got right. to pay, pay the wonder, money.
1: One but... do uh, do you have any idea how much, like, analytic work they were able to do on the – the Giants were able to do on the Korean guy? In that, again, like in Japan, you know, there's at yeah. least like a certain amount of data that makes them, because that feels like a big, big leap. Yeah, from I from think you know,
0: again, I don't know for sure. I think the World Baseball Classic was huge. Hmm. Uh, I think Jung Hyun he was in the World Baseball Classic. I think, yeah, they, they, like they wanted to see the matchups against the other top guys, uh, and they liked it, and they did scout him in Korea. Uh, they were the number one team. I heard that all along. Like, they are so in on him. But you hear that a lot, right? And doesn't always lead to getting the guy. Yeah. Like they were in. They were there with their guys. Uh the GMP Patillo flies out there for his goodbye game where he's on a broken ankle and just waves to the crowd. Like they were in on him. Boris, like that that was they, they got a pretty good relationship with Boris. Uh, and that's after the Korea thing blows up, but people, are, Oh no, Scott Boris is no longer going to trust him. Like you pay him the right enough the money. Scott Boris is going to be just fine. He kind of likes, he likes picking the teams that are desperate, right? He like when the Rangers <laughs> were signing everybody, Boris was, that was ice the nationals, was Strasburg. I think he was Strasburg, right? I don't even remember yeah. now, but he just seemed like, like he guides to a certain desperate rich team situation. And maybe the giants are kind of there, which is what, Again, Zaidi hates that situation. He's kind of in that right now. That you got to go get, you got to go overpay Chris Snell, or I mean Blake Snell and uh, Chris Snell. That's another player. I'm trying to think who that was, Um, and or Bellinger or whoever. And he hates that position, but they're kind of there. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I you know, I don't. I foresee the Dodgers being really good as they are every year. I also foresee possibly some rotation issues going into playoffs because again. I'm thinking Yamamoto's going to pitch once a series, like that might be it. Right. And if the if they lose his game, they're not getting him back again, and they might get swept. And he—that's all he pitches. And Glass now, I mean, wh- wh- where is he going to be at the end of a season? And Bueller, is he going to be back? You know, what's the stuff going to be like? Again, really talented guys. Certainly, you know, if you if you're any team, you'd want them. But there's some real weirdness there, you know, and I don't know Logan Webb is probably is Guys, are any of those guys, nice, but you are a huge game. I know it. He might not be fantastic, but he might also and there's some power in that uh that again, if I'm the Dodgers, I sign Yamamoto every single day of the week, but six-man rotation would have me scared a little bit it would definitely like so i'm getting 104 you know i'm sorry i'm getting 140 innings out of this guy that's that's you know and and what if he's tired at the end of 140 you know and the stuff isn't as good you know we saw we've seen that happen with darvish right in the world series but darvish was done in the, in the world series um i don't know i'm just throwing it out there uh I, I think one thing I'll put it you were all over like the five year difference with Otani and Yamamoto might be the key thing. Like, if they were two years difference, maybe Yamamoto does not come to this because it's, it's too much of the same kind of era of player. Being five years might have been the perfect interval where mm-hmm. he can defer to him, but also still have his own thing. Another potential problem, again, only with great teams. So all this stuff, it's Otani's team. This is it. Oh, my God, look what he's doing. Da, 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 da. He let them sign Yamamoto and maybe sign. What does Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman think about all this?
1: Yeah, I think, again, you know, and I think I mentioned this before. It's kind of a clubhouse of, like, independent contractors who come in. You know, yeah. there really kind of is no there there, um, which, again, is why, you know, they had to sign Jason Hayward to come back to, you know, they're paying him $9 million, basically uh, you know, in theory to platoon, but I think a lot of it also has to do with his role in the clubhouse, you know? And so, um, I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be kind of a weird clubhouse a little bit, you know, obviously now you're adding like an entirely new language. I mean, as it is, these teams tend to kind of split up along the Spanish English lines. Right. Mm -hmm. And now you're kind of adding like another language there with, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's only two guys. I mean, Yamamoto showed up with his entire team yesterday, by the way. Mm-hmm. His chef was at the press conference. <laughs> <you know>? So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I bring I bring
0: my chef to most things too, so I should be.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think um it, it's going to be like a little bit different, but it isn't anything that like uh, even when they won the World Series, I don't think it was a particularly like super tight neck, you know, they win because they're they're deeper than everybody else, uh, you know, when the series they win, it's just because they're better, right? And when they've lost, it's just because they haven't had the pitching. And I, I agree with you. I still think, you know, you ask me right now, are they the favorites in the National League? I'd probably still say the Braves, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Phillies are
0: pretty good, too.
1: Phillies are pretty good, too. You know, I think the difference between this year, you know, going into this coming season and in this past season is that, though, I think with the Dodgers, you kind of looked at that pitching and you were like, okay, there's no way they're going to get to the World Series. They just don't have the pitching to get there. Right. It's impossible. Whereas now you can see that path at least right now. um, Given how much money they're spending, I think the floor is uncomfortably low. Right. Because you can see. Again, how about if Yamamoto turns into Kenta Maeda and Glassnow gets hurt and Bueller doesn't come back? uh, You know, now all of a sudden you're kind of back to where you were last year, you know, Um, and I don't discount that possibility at all. Uh, They have at least created a pathway to the World Series, though, which is something they didn't have, you know, very, very expensive pathway. (laughs) <laughs> billion dollars not sure anybody else was spend no that problem. Much just no just problem. For the, for you know but uh i think this is what the fans here wanted though you know i think there's been some frustration here just because you know it kind of has felt like okay they're not right they're never going to push their chips into the middle of the table to kind of make that move right that granted could set them back but is necessary to win um, you know they, they've kind of refrained from making that move, and again, Otani has just kind of. There's a new Otani economy here, right? And I think that again, it, they're playing with house money now. So, you know, I I didn't mind the Glass Now trade. I know people, some God, right? The, really in the weeds, people are like, "Oh my God, he gave up five years of Ryan Pepio," <laughs> and it's like we still don't know if this guy's any good or not. I didn't mind the trade. I minded the. I mean, I looked at that deal. It's like, man, five years, hundred thirty-five million for a guy who's made 21, right, his 21 starts are a career high. That's a lot of money for a lot of uncertainty, but, you know, they think they can manage it. And again, my guess is they're going to be looking at a six-man rotation. I think they've been waiting to do it. They're very much, they pride themselves in look how different we are, you know, look how smart we are. I think that front office thinks they, and I think they really believe this in the core, in, the, in the, their heart of hearts, that they affect the outcomes of gains directly. Oh, you know, it's yeah. not you, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, so... This is totally up their alley. So I, I see the six-man rotation coming, and frankly, it's going to hit a lot of teams, I think, that, you know, probably don't have that that ace now. And I mean, how many of those guys are even out there in baseball right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, look at how many went over 200 innings. It's like three.
1: Right, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Garrett Cole, Logan Webb,
0: yeah, yeah, Logan Webb, and like I, one other guy, I think, went over 200 innings last, last season. It's 180 is a lot now. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, like, wasn't there a year where Nolan Ryan, like, threw 330 innings? <laughs> like, it's a number that you just can't imagine now. Uh, uh, we're going long. I just want to throw one thing that struck me this morning. I was thinking about this podcast. Try to talk a little Warriors. The Warriors right now are just a little bit like the Lakers, I think, last season going into the trade deadline where hmm. they got some jumbled pieces where yeah. you have, like, this could work, that could work, this could work, but it doesn't all work really well together. They've got the aging superstar like LeBron with Steph Curry. You know, that's about as one-to-one as you're going to get in this era. Uh, And they don't have the Anthony Davis, but they got, you know, with Draymond, whatever, the clay. Like, they got to do some things. And I don't know they can be as aggressive as Rob Polinka was last year. I don't know that they need to be that aggressive. But they need to make some moves. Like, I wrote about it this morning. Like, it's Wiggins and Kaminga. Can they fit together? But what's behind the scenes is, like, I think a lot of people on that team just honestly think it might be one or the other and we might have to pick one and trade the other unless they can play really well together and they have played terribly uh, this season together in not a ton of minutes. And like the Lakers were kind of there. Like we got these things that we don't really know and can we figure out a way to get, you know, elevate Reeves in the rotation and figure out to get some more defensive players and Rio Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt and all these other things they did. Warriors need to do something like that. And I think they know it. And they got some yeah. time before it. But there was a Laker, like, kind of dying days of this great player. And it doesn't quite fit. But wh- what does fit? Who's available? Do we invest more money in this player? Or do we come off of that player? And I think the Lakers might do some more of themselves, too. I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. is the, I actually they're they're closer
1: to, I think they're closer to the Lakers this year, right? Because mm-hmm. Like, last year they just sucked. I mean, they had to... Yeah. Yeah. Polinka had to push his chips in the middle of the table, right? They, that was not an option. Right now, they kind of got this problem with, like, they either can't shoot, depending on what type of lineup they're throwing out there. They either can't shoot or they can't rebound, right? Or play defense. So, like, this last game, they went out and, you know, they 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 moved, um, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell to the bench, started Vanderbilt, had LeBron at the point. It was kind of more you know a defensive team but then now you have reddish and vanderbilt on the court two guys who can't shoot and so right they got amazing reddish was a
0: shooter at shooter at duke and now he's a like a straight d guy it's amazing how guys in the nba are very different players than they are in college even the top level of college
1: yeah but you know and kind of at you know we we talked about this i believe him it was in the first episode of this right the whole lebron thing i mean he's Looking old now, right? Mm-hmm. I think the the minutes and, and the high level that he was playing, that all all of that, the effort he gave in the in season tournament, it's all kind of starting to catch up now. So he's not there to bail him out, right? And I think that again, the Lakers are kind of in this position too, where they have these pieces that don't quite mix. Uh, you know, if I were to put a gun to my head and ask me what I think they're going to do, I think it's going to be Russell's going to be the guy out, no, he's right? Because be, yeah. yeah, because he just kind of doesn't it's almost kind of like having like a James Harden type guy, right? He plays at his own rhythm and, you know, there's good that comes with that and there's bad that comes with it. Right. And, you know, I do think that I'm not sure how he's quite mixed, you know, I think in that locker room right now, there might be some finger pointing that's kind of directed more at him, you know, Uh, whether that's fair or not, that's kind of the reality of that situation. And so, yeah, he's going to be probably the guy out. They're going to have to, again, they're going to have to get shooters. So, um, you know, because right now, you know, kind of like with the Warriors, you could see them. You know, again, they're right; their old aging guy carries them. They can win any game, uh, but it becomes hard to count on those guys when you know, at this point in their careers, night after night.
0: January is tough on older players. I've seen this time and again. Shaquille, sometimes we just take Januarys off. It's tough because you you hit, you know, you have the initial run of the first 25, 30 games to kind of get you going, 35 games. And then you hit January and you're looking ahead to the trade deadline. You're looking ahead to the stretch run. But January is the dog days. I've just seen it happen a lot. And especially for older players. Uh, Steph's had some tough Januaries. And, you know, we're coming up on it. But it's also the time when teams need, need to make decisions about the trade deadline. This is the trade deadline's way up there this year. It's February eighth. It's ahead of the All Star game. It's ahead of the Super Bowl, um, which is fascinating to me, having you know been at Super Bowls and like not have to worry about the, the trade deadline. In fact, the Warriors traded D'Angelo Russell for uh, Andrew Wiggins like two days after the 49ers lost the Super Bowl I'll always remember that I was like in a daze huh. driving down to the Kyle Shanahan wrap-up presser stuck in traffic I wasn't going to make it and then on the radio the Warriors just traded D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins said, okay I'm pulling off now going to Starbucks <laughs> So forget Kyle Shanahan sorry about that Kyle uh, that's one of the post Super Bowl presser on Tuesday after they lose the Super Bowl and there was like four reporters there because everybody got stuck in traffic. Another very wonderful. Okay, we'll try to bring this back. Dylan will wrap this up. We've gone long. Who won the week? Now, we can kind of do two weeks. We didn't do a show last week. We can always fall back on Dodgers signed yet another person. No, no, no. no, no. their payroll is now $17 billion. Um, I have to say the Dodgers. I hate it. People get mad at me for doing it. LA won the week because the Dodgers are just being the Dodgers to the full extent. You can't be any more Dodger than they're being right now.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, I, I would, uh, based on Yamamoto's decision, I think we have to argue that LA is a superior city, at least for this week. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> oh, the Japanese guys are just killing San Francisco. I, th- I thought the Japanese were proud in San Francisco. Clearly my, uh, my people have let us all down. Um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean, it's going to be wild to watch that team and, I'm thinking about that press box and that locker and that clubhouse with the Japanese media don't, we were saying like 50, might be 60, 70 now, like every day, Japanese media there, maybe more, maybe more. It's, I mean, like
1: it's, it's, it's gotten bad for me now, you know, in that like at these events now, right. They want to like, Every TV station is lined up asking me, can you talk? Can you
0: talk? (laughs) Oh, oh no. I'm terrible. Yesterday, I
1: went straight (laughs) for the exit.
0: Like, I do not blame. (laughs) uh,
1: After having the experiences, I do not blame these Japanese guys for, like, limiting (laughs) their BTX. Bill Heran is
0: only speaking once a week. It's on the North (laughs) and South podcast. He will speak once in Japanese and once in English. And that's it. No more. Well, you could get on one of those shows and promote North and South Dylan. You could do that. Got one of those shows. I get asked to do nothing, and all I do is promote this show. It's all I do. Uh, but I, I so like it. This is tough on me. This is tough on me. <laughs> That's all that well, matters, man. Dylan Hernandez <laughs> won the week. It was just a Dylan Hernandez every week. You dominate things. You, you keep getting the bigger players, and I sit here. Saying, well, what are we going to do in the rub, you know the rubble of the situation of LA pulling everybody? But so we got the four downers to talk about. To we got a, we got a few other things we can we can make do. All right, everybody, I'll, on that, on the Dylan Hernandez uh, in demand note, we will end the show. Say goodbye, again, Dylan.
1: All right, see you guys. And that's show for today.